0: Hello and welcome to Drive and Double Feature Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Ryan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. And on this Tuesday's episode, we're talking about Runaway Train from 1985. But before we get into it, I want to talk to you about our Patreon. Over on patreon.com slash Drive and Double Feature Podcast, we have a bunch of mini episodes where we just kind of have conversations or play fun games over there. Uh, Just for $5 a month, you can get that content you'll help support the show but getting into this week's movie runaway train directed by andre kochlovsky i hope i'm saying your name correctly unless ryan you have a good pronunciation for me
1: oh well i i thought we were talking about that soul asylum song runaway train where it was finding all those lost kids
0: oh yes (laughs) um so you listen to a song for a movie (laughs) podcast
1: well well,
0: i thought it was weird
1: so i listened it for two hours just on repeat
0: that's a good way to hate a song (laughs) (laughs) but but no we're talking about the runaway train the canon movie we're back at canon uh we are it's been a little long it's been a little bit there was a string there where we did a lot of canon movies and we kind of took a break but i'm happy to be back um yeah definitely um
1: and uh but uh It's probably the most non-canon movie out of all the other non-canon
0: movies. So, yeah, I kind of get why it was made by canon, but it's probably, like, it's a much better movie than most of their stuff. I mean, this is an Academy Award-nominated movie um, written by Akira Kurosawa, which I didn't know until I turned on the movie. And I saw, uh, based on a screenplay by Akira Kurosawa, I was like, oh, what's it a remake of? No, he actually wrote this movie and they kind of you know they worked on it and you can see it it has a lot of his like tropes and like characters in it it makes sense
1: did you did you see who he wanted in these so the two main actors in this one is uh henry i uh, sorry yeah, uh, uh john voight and eric roberts and i kind of scrolled it already but did you hear who you wanted as the replacements for these two characters no i don't know he wanted Henry Fonda
0: and Peter Falk. That is a complete opposite of what I would think. Um, Henry Fonda is an interesting pick. Peter Falk would be actually really cool, but I just he love want, Peter Falk. So he would he'd want Peter Falk as the uh, Manny character. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but no, instead we get we get John Voigt and um, Eric Roberts. And uh, Eric Roberts seems like a canon pick, but. Not really at this time. I feel like Eric Roberts was very much an up and comer and he would get nominated for this. And so would John Voigt for best supporting best actor. And John Voigt won the Golden Globe for best actor for this movie, which is so surprising to me. Cause I mean, this is a good movie, but it's a genre film, you know, it's an action film, but. Uh, it, 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 oh, he gives a
1: fantastic performance. He's, he's really great. And I thought
0: yeah no i agree i think i think everybody does really good in this movie um no i mean runaway train is like just a thriller action movie and once it gets going it 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 doesn't stop it's one of those movies where it just keeps rolling like a fast train wow like a runaway Uh, train even uh, oh i didn't even realize that yeah wow kind of crazy (laughs) but no so what it is is eric roberts and john voight are both prisoners and it's kind of a prison escape type film um and john voight is some kind of really loved prisoner by everybody in the prison who's in solitary and he finally gets out of solitary um i do think it's weird that everybody likes this guy because he's kind of an asshole
1: (laughs) yeah uh well because i i get it because kind of like he makes it no secret that he's against the warden and he doesn't like any authority type of figures. So he's very much like the guy that, you know, the warden tells him to do stuff or when he's like, you know, piss off or whatever, you know, he just, he doesn't take any uh, crap from anybody. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's why everybody loves him so much because, you know, he's kind of standing up to the big guy type of thing. And uh, now outside of that though he's a completely homicidal maniac but <laughs> yeah.
0: which we but, learn yeah. a bit more after everything
1: but uh you know he's he's got um he's got a lot of emotions that he's really dealing with and you know he kind of he's been kind of fighting with this whole thing like you know he's kind of like this animal where he's like in a cage the whole thing and like when he does get on the outside you know he uh I think he kind of soon realizes that as soon as he gets out of prison, that, Oh, this, he really doesn't have a place on the outside or he doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's, he really doesn't know what, what to even think about being outside of the prison.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't help that they're in snowy Alaska. Uh, This is a, this is a cold movie. Um, Very. And I mean, I love this aesthetic. It's just really snowy and dense and just looks not fun to be in. Um, so I'm sure escaping prison just to be, well, Eric Roberts is shoeless in the snow even. So just being out in that is probably like, oh, wow, this does not feel like freedom, even slightly.
1: Oh, we hear about his shoes like a hundred times before he finally gets shoes. Like, Betty, I need shoes, Betty.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> it kind of sounded like you channeled Forrest Gump, but you know, That's Eric a, Roberts that, is he what he's like doing. sounds like that. Do you, Tom Hanks, like, Do you think Tom Hanks ripped off of Eric Roberts?
1: I think I think so. He's like, man, I need shoes, man. <laughs> <me."> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so Eric Roberts in this, I think he it's one of those performances where like he just, if he did it a little bit more, like over, you know, like overacted, he would be so annoying. But I really love this character and his performance. It, it, he does it so well, which is so weird to say about Eric Roberts. I love Eric Roberts, don't get me wrong, but that man puts in like 10 roles a year, uh, maybe even more. Uh, <laughs> hardest
1: working man in show business one <laughs> of because oh, yeah. well, oh, we were looking beforehand and the man has over 700 acting credits and it's just insane. Like the man, if you look at his IMDb, like, like each movie, he pumps out a year. Like you said, it's like 10 movies a year. And yeah, the, the urban legend is that, um, the, uh, he, once he got nominated for this Oscar um, he was offered a bunch of roles and uh, his aid, you know, he turned down a bunch of like really prolific type of roles because his agent's like, Oh, you don't want to take that. It's going to screw up your Oscar chances. <laughs> and uh, after he lost the urban myth is that uh, our legend is that Eric Roberts said, I'm not going to say no to anything. and, and, if you look at his IMDb, it shows like as seems yeah. like you, you start hitting like the late 80s, 90s. I mean, it's, this guy goes like full boom, throttle, boom,
0: boom, like pumping him out. And it's crazy because he's such a notable name. Like he could be in movies like The Dark Knight, but be in other stuff like, oops, I'm a talking cat. You know, like he, he's one of those actors that no matter what roles he picks, he will find work. There are some people a choice will ruin their career. He is not one of those people.
1: I know he pops up in the most,
0: like I, you know,
1: he'll for every straight to DVD movie he does, he does like one like really prolific type of role. It's yeah, it's like he'll he does a bunch of like may, like low quality movies, and then he's like the main antagonist in the Expendables, which is as like all like this huge yeah. cast of characters in it.
0: Yeah, no, it, he, he's such an interesting actor. And I mean, he, I think here it even shows like he he has chops, you know, he's not someone to make fun of as like an act, as far as like acting ability, because I, I really like this character. He ended up being really likable. And when you get later into the movie, the dynamic between him and John Voight, you know, Eric Roberts looked up to John Voight and then he sees John Voight as like his hero is actually not what he thought he was. And it, it just becomes almost devastating in a way. It's really sad.
1: Yeah, especially because it gets to the point where they start coming to blows and uh, they're about to kill each other and Eric Roberts kind of gets the upper hand on them and then John Boyd like immediately, you think like he's gonna, you know, he's always had this like, oh, I'm gonna, I don't care if I die, I'm just gonna fight. And then he, that's like, he becomes real vulnerable and kind of like backs down and Mm -hmm. doesn't really, he's like, he's his peers start showing that he really doesn't want to. (laughs) He's he's afraid. He's just as afraid as everybody
0: else is. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But I guess like I guess we should get into like what the set piece of this movie, what the big deal is with this movie. And I mean, it's the title, Runaway Train. Um. So they do escape prison. John Voight and Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts kind of just tags along. I can't believe John Voight's like whatever, come along. Um. Yeah. they, They become a duo, and then they. They hijack a train and it's uh it, the brakes break down and everything and it's just speeding up and with no way to slow down.
1: Well, they don't technically hijack it; they still away on the train That's at first, true. and That's then uh, and then what happens is the uh, engineer has a heart attack on the train, <laughs> mm-hmm. collapses, and uh, the train goes full throttle uh, because he like he hits the throttle before he dies.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this movie has this whole subplot about the people that actually run the train because I guess they built like this crazy like for the time big deal train system all controlled through a computer that can stop the trains and everything but it ends up not working out for them at all
1: um did you realize this movie has uh, another common theme that we've talked about in other movies what's that uh people that are Taking a crap and then they just get up and don't wipe or wash their hands. Afterwards. Oh my god, I did not.
0: <laughs> the, guy I that control-
1: the guy that's controlling the train, like he, like his, like one of the other workers, like runs in there, like, "Hey man, we need your help, come out!" And then he just just opens up the stall door, just pulls up his pants. <laughs> that's and right, yeah, and then comes out, doesn't watch his wash his hands or anything, just
0: like yeah. A straight off the taking like a dump and he's like yeah. all right I'm good <laughs> yeah there's
1: a, there's a lot there's a lot of uh piss and <laughs> crap in this movie because
0: uh-huh. they go
1: they go through the sewer that's yes. how they escape which that was a really cool sequence they like they went through the sewer and then they fall out of this like waterfall into the icy river but yeah it's fu- it's full of you know feces and things like that mm-hmm. and uh, and Eric Roberts is like, I like, oh man! He was like, I got, I, I, just put my hand through crap. He's like, yeah, it'll wash off, and then, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I'm gonna throw up, I'm gonna be sick. And he's like, yep, getting sick is the best. Like, if you're gonna get sick, here's the best place to do it. Yeah,
0: like, doesn't he say like, oh, you've never been in a sewer before? <laughs> like to yeah. him, like, all right. <laughs> um, but no, it, I think that's a good sequence, um, and just the whole journey there. It, so like all the poop and pee stuff, you know is that kurosawa does he do a lot of poop poop jokes i thought that was like a i didn't know that was him but yeah uh, yeah you, you don't remember the famous fart
1: gag from seven samurai
0: <laughs> oh yeah that was that was my favorite part of <laughs> um, the laugh riot of a movie um, yeah but no i i think that's so interesting though thinking about that that he wrote this script and nobody in america would finance it nowadays like if he existed if he was still alive you you'd get anything from him and they'd be like yeah no we're making it this is definitely like he there was a time where he he was like no we will not make your stuff
1: well i mean i think it was maybe more of like i guess like hollywood back then didn't really see a lot of benefit to a lot of foreign directors i mean Mm -hmm. I mean, I think very few times like Kurosawa actually directed like English speaking actors. Like he made he made like one movie with like Richard Gere, I think. But, yeah, yeah. But uh he didn't make any American features. And I think that's kind of like, oh, well, they don't really understand the style or whatever, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. Um, but you know, that's he was like the director in Japan. We we've talked about it before, where he's kind of like he can do whatever he wants, like. Honda, you know he's got to make whatever the <laughs> the Toho tells him to make. But Kurosawa is like, no, you can make whatever you want, please.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, you can do whatever. Poor Honda. Oh man, but <laughs> we don't. <laughs> but this has nothing to do with Japanese cinema because it, no. you know, it is an American movie uh, made by um, Andre kochlovsky which I know. Um, oh, sorry, who is a Russian director? But yeah. I know that people do like his work. He made movies like uh, Tango and Cash and he's made a lot of different movies. He tops a lot of genres. So,
1: so one thing we, we haven't really talked about with Canon. And yeah. I think that's like a other, other side of the coin is that, you know, they did make a lot of movies that people kind of made fun of, or they just saw it as like low quality B movies or whatever you want to call it. But there is a complete other side of the coin that they did because there are a lot of directors that they worked with that were kind of shunned from Hollywood or like they were deemed like too difficult to work with. Like one very famous example is John Cassavetes. He made uh, at least I think two Canon movies, I think, but um, at the time when like Hollywood producers were like, he's too difficult to work with. Like he doesn't want final, like he always wants final cut, that type of thing. And um John cassavetes actually spoke very highly of Canon, you know, like like kind of gave him carte blanche. Um there's another one, uh I can't remember yet, another really famous uh Italian director.
0: Oh, really? Uh um, the, the one I, the one I'm thinking of is Jean-Luc Godard. They gave him a chance right. and they made him they he made King Lear, which of course upset them because it isn't what they thought it would be, but they gave they gave Godard a chance.
1: But that's kind of what they were doing though like they were they they basically just give these people a blank check they're like hey we're not going to give you a bunch of money but hey we'll, we'll let you do whatever you want type of thing yeah and the other one he did was uh, franco zeffirelli and he was acting and so if you actually go back and um i also re-watched this part for the uh, canon documentary too yeah cool because cool. they because they talk about runaway train as well and mm-hmm. and i was just some positive examples like Franco Zeffirelli, like he had his opportunity and he even said like that they were the best producers I've ever worked with.
0: Hey, that's cool. Yeah. I think, I think both of the, both the dudes that ran Canon, they understood like who they were getting, like, you know, they had their actors to pay and make the death wish movies and stuff like that. But they knew when they got like an art director and it's like, okay, well let's make, let's let them make something that they want to do. I mean, sometimes it didn't pan out, but it seemed like they liked to take chances with just giving people people a chance. And I think that's awesome. I I mean, it worked for them, especially, well, maybe not money-wise, because Runaway Train did not make its budget back in the theater. Um, But I do think it got them Oscar love. And it is just a genuinely good movie. I still think this movie holds up.
1: I personally think this movie is a forgotten uh, classic. Yeah. And I think and the the biggest negative thing that they that a lot of people said on this documentary is that if any other studio had put their name on this besides canon, it would have been well known and it would have gotten more uh, recognition. And I can see that because, I mean, at the time, I mean, there's like this movie predates a lot of those like super action heavy type of movies like Die Hard and things like that. Where it's it's so So I think this movie it could have been, a, it, it should be a lot bigger than what it is, in my opinion.
0: No, I totally agree. Cause it, it, it just works on a lot of levels. Like it's so action heavy. And like, I've seen a lot of action movies that just get really dull, but this is almost like an early version of Speed in a way where it's just, I don't know. There's just something always happening in this movie. Like they solve one dilemma and then another one instantly pops up. And it, it, it's like, there's an amazing moment that really got me was there's a part in the tunnel and there's a bridge and they keep talking about it in the main office like if they go over 50 miles per hour this bridge is going to collapse and um you know eric roberts and john voight are trying their hardest to figure out how to slow down at this point and they do eventually go over the bridge and i seriously was watching this movie and i was like is this bridge going to collapse? Like I was like, genuinely like, holy crap. Like, you know, planks are falling and stuff. Of course it didn't crash, but me who seen like so many movies, it genuinely made me like, I don't know, a little like, Oh my God, this actually could end here.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you're just kind of, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time, but uh, yeah. I, this is like my second time watching this movie and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just as exciting as the first viewing, if not more. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, my, one of my favorite moments, too, is uh, the warden of the jail. So once they break out of the jail, the warden is also going on his own manhide. Like he doesn't care about the train at all. He just wants to get the two convicts off of the train and yeah. back into jail because he's like, I got to prove a point. They can't escape from my jail. Mm-hmm. And and so what they do, they lower a helicopter ladder and like a guy tries to latch onto the train, but the guy instead gets flung forward and flies Face first into like the window (laughs) of the train and just
0: dies instantly yeah right like it's a it's like a really cool way to subvert your expectations like that plot line's just done for now you know it's cool it's really neat um and then John Voight gets his really great speech where he's like breaking the window and he's just yelling he's like come get me get me you know that's it that's his Oscar moment or I should say his Golden Globe moment
1: yeah 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 and good thing golden globes are so highly regarded
0: now but <laughs> oh yeah
1: people love them <laughs> uh he's got a lot of really great moments in there like um he goes on like this really long like uh eric roberts's character is just talking about like oh yeah i got this great operation i'm gonna go down there you know we mm-hmm. could we could run that and make a ton of money and then um john Voight's character kind of sets him like gives him a reality check where he's like it's like you're not going to do any of that you're going to find a job that a convict can do you're going to do that you're <laughs> going to live your little pathetic life and then you're going to die an old age that nobody cares about mm-hmm. and then the guy and Eric Roberts said like, I'm not doing that I'd rather go back to jail and he said what about you are you going to do that and John Boyd's like I wish I could <laughs>
0: yeah isn't that sad he kind of knows he's unhinged and like doesn't really have like there's nothing he can do he's just kind of a maniac in a way Uh, there's that moment where he locks Eric because Eric Roberts gets sent on like almost like a fool's errand in a way where like he has he's gonna die no matter what or get hurt and John Voight locks him out he closes the door of the train and won't let him in it's like dang
1: it's his most most sadistic moment because Eric Roberts is trying to because the problem is like they're going like 80 miles per hour on a train and they're trying to have to jump across to like the lead engine so that way they could shut it down mm-hmm. and so eric roberts like yeah i can do it and then uh he tries to jump but he can't and he's like it's the wind's too powerful mm-hmm. and then he he's able to get back inside and then like <laughs> john Voigt just like beats the crap out of him just like yeah. kicking him while he's down just like he's like get back out there and like he's like and then eric roberts is just so defeated he's like i'll go i'll go back Uh, i'll go back
0: yeah well a character we didn't talk about uh sarah who's just some lady that fell asleep on or was taking a nap on the train she shows up and uh she she becomes very sympathetic especially towards eric roberts and you know she's in there like why are you doing that he's just sending you out there to be killed blah you know um I, I think it was interesting to throw in this character halfway through the movie, but I think it works. I think it makes it work.
1: Yeah, she's good. um mm-hmm. There's a so like when they first meet her. Well, at first you learn because they're Eric Roberts and John Voight are kind of talking, and uh, John Voight accuses Eric Roberts' character of being a rapist, and mm-hmm. like that's why he went to prison. He's like, I ain't no rapo, and, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and he's like, he's like, oh, I saw on your rap sheet. And then Eric Roberts is like, oh well, that was only statutory. She was 15. <laughs> no. And then like John Boyd is like, yeah, that makes it so much better. And yeah. like, and, uh, and then immediately when this woman shows up, he immediately like, like Hey, you wanna you wanna
0: have sex? You know Yeah, like, it reminds me of Body Heat, the famous and- line from Body Heat. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So she's immediately like, get away from
0: it. So like he's immediately got one thing
1: on his mind. But then at the end of the movie, when they're like almost coming to terms that this train's probably gonna tra- crash, mm-hmm. they like then they start kind of embracing like they're kind of waiting for the crash to happen.
0: Yeah. She's like, I don't want to die alone. They can of yeah. old me kind of deal. It doesn't justify his actions, but it, it's
1: it's more so kind of like when you're in like your final moments, it's just you don't really know like people get really scared and they just, they want that last level of comfort before they think they're about to die. Yeah, so it doesn't, no, exactly. Yeah. So it's not justifying his behavior. It's just kind of like, you know, Hey, you know, when you're in the throes of death, you know, you're, you're just willing to cling on to anything.
0: Exactly. That's how desperate the situation was. Um, I, I guess uh, someone that's been on our show a lot. We've talked about recently a lot. Dennis Franz is in this. He's in an uncredited role. I tried to find him. I could not find what? him. Yeah, Wait, he, what? He plays a cop in this. It's just, he's oh, of a cop. Course. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's hidden somewhere in here. Uh, it's also Danny Trejo's first role. He plays a boxer, um, which is cool. I,
1: apparently he just showed up on set. Everyone said, like, he was, because he was going on set, and he, apparently he was, like, somebody's, like, uh, sponsor for like out for for uh, a rehab or whatever and yeah and they're just they saw like he had boxing experience or something and he they just like hey you want to be in the movie and he and they gave him like 300 bucks to be like in the movie and he i think that and that's what kind of started i gave him his acting
0: bug oh that's awesome and look at him now uh yeah mr machete that's Uh, right mm -hmm
1: there are some negatives of this movie though there are some things that i think it's not great okay um so uh let me
0: hear them because this is a perfect movie
1: i'm just kidding okay all right then well then uh there's some really bad adr like really oh, yeah. really uh, obvious like they're not yeah. Like they're just like they're outside talking like in, they're not on the train this is like they're like outside and it's just like The ADR is so bad, like it's almost like a dubbed movie, almost.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. There were times where you could really tell that it was limited by its budget. Some, like, you know, it had a good budget as far as the trains go and sets go, but there were other times where you could tell, like, oh, they weren't really like pumping enough into this. Even though nine million dollars is quite a bit for Canon, so
1: that's a lot for a camera. This is like a big budget movie for Canon, yeah. some uh, another thing I, I was not really a fan of and it's like towards the end of the movie uh they go for like a super 80s type of like techno kind of score and I think I would have yeah. liked like a more traditional type of score because yeah. to me like stuff like that really kind of dates the movie a lot
0: yeah I was gonna mention that too I, I don't really like the music in this either um I- i i can imagine it with like a symphonic like maybe not john williams but somewhere in that you know area of just a score and i think i i totally agree it'd be much better
1: it's for me unless this is like a real like heavy like cityscape type of movie like techno would make sense in that instance but Mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere in this frozen wasteland i don't really think techno is the way to go
0: totally agree it should be something sweeping something big because I mean, that's just a really nice look. It's like snow and trees and everything, but it needs something that fits that. I don't know. Um,
1: one stupid line in the movie, I thought, was uh, it's a scene where Eric Roberts is going out to, to walk and try to jump to the next car, and uh, Manny, John Voight's character is like, there he is, all guts, no
0: brains. And then
1: uh, Sarah's character like looks over at her and she says that's mean
0: (laughs) no this movie has some weird lines though like i I, like the whole elevator scene where he's talking to like the security guard and he's like selling him his shoes and like giving him like porno mags and he's just like it's just really awkward and i i don't don't think they really meant for it to be that awkward because eric is like all right you know i'll see you later fist bumps him it's just really awkward
1: oh yeah and that's uh That's uh, uh, Tony, a.k.a. Tiny Lister. He was uh, Debo in the uh, Friday movies.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. That's right.
1: And he he was also in uh, Dark Knight, too. He was like the prisoner that didn't want to push the explosive button.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope him and Eric Roberts reconnected. But Eric uh, Eric Roberts meets 500 people a year, so he might not have remembered.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, he's dead, too, but...
0: Oh, that's true. That's
1: true. Um, yeah, he's been in a bunch of movies. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just a little stuff like that. Uh, another thing, too, which I thought was really awkward was the way some of these, like, the, out, the way the outdoor scenes, like, when they're walking across the train, it's, like, it's done, like, where it almost looks like it's stop motion movement. And, like, yeah. the, shutter, the shutter speed is really fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally no. There's like some weird moments or like the parts where the camera is off the train, but you see them on the train. It almost looks like, uh, I don't know, like just like statues just standing there, but it's like really noticeable. Yeah, stuff like that. It's almost like they didn't know how to film those outdoor sections. Right.
1: I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. Like the movement looks very unnatural and, mm-hmm. but I will say on the, when they're in the in- inner car because they what they wanted to go for like a documentary sort of look. I really liked the cinematography, like the real, like closed quarters, claustrophobic type of shots. I thought yeah. we were great in that.
0: Yeah. And, and that set gets more and more destroyed as the movie goes on because that train hits another train at some point, the glass breaks and it, it's, it gets more and more chaotic. Um, yeah. And the prison set's pretty good, <laughs> you know, like it can't yeah. go wrong with that. Um, no, it, I think what I found negative about this didn't really ruin my appreciation for it anyway, at least.
1: It no, it didn't I, I, I want to say that too, that, that it didn't ruin my um it didn't ruin my time with the movie. I, I just something that was like noticeable, like stuff I was just like, oh like should have fixed that. But yeah.
0: But you know, it is canon. I'm sure they were like, We need to get this out now. Well, it perfect looks like, print it yeah it looks like it got released in december so of 1985 so they were probably ready for that to be out for oscar season
1: yeah but i like i said i do think this is kind of one of those forgotten classic type of movies i think a lot of times i think this should be up there as like some of like the best 80s action movies
0: i agree i had never really heard about this movie until i watched that canon documentary and it's been on my radar ever since because it just looked really neat and uh yeah i think more people should go see this if you enjoy most of the movies we talk about on this show i think you'll really like runaway train
1: absolutely Mm
0: -hmm. um but yeah i think that about that wraps it up for runaway train right
1: yeah i think so
0: all right cool well then ryan what are we going to be covering on thursday
1: well i couldn't wait until godzilla week so i wanted to talk about a monster (laughs) again so we're going to be talking about "Q: The Winged Serpent," and that is streaming on Tubi, Pluto, uh, YouTube, I believe, and Criterion Channel. It's not hard to find at all.
0: No, you can find it anywhere. <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited to watch that. But if you have any recommendations or you enjoyed "Runaway Train" or anything, please send us an email over at Drive and Double Feature Podcast at gmail.com also you can follow us on twitter at didf pod we'd love to hear from you but until next time
1: until next time